Looking for practical information to help you make decisions about your diagnosis, whether DCIS, early or metastatic breast cancer? BCNA's My Journey features articles, webcasts, videos and podcasts about breast cancer during treatment and beyond to help you, your friends and family as you progress through your journey. It also features a symptom tracker to help you manage the changing symptoms you may encounter during your own breast cancer experience. My Journey. Download the app or sign up online at myjourney.org.au. Let's be upfront about fear of recurrence. Yes, it's real and no, you're not being silly. In fact, up to 70% of people who have had cancer worry that it's going to come back. For most, that worry fades with time, but not always, and it can affect not just your quality of life, but also others around you. So who should you talk to about your fear of recurrence? A GP, surgeon, your oncologist, perhaps a psychologist, or as a chat with a friend enough? Joining me is Professor Bruce Mann, breast surgeon and BCNA board member, and health psychologist Jane Fletcher, who has a lot of experience in the mental health of those who have had cancer. Welcome to you both. So, Bruce, what actually is fear of recurrence and, and why is it so common? Fear of recurrence is, is fear that the cancer is going to come back. That's, that's why we fear cancer. Um, we all know people um, Who's, who've had cancer, apparently cured, and then it's come back. When someone is diagnosed with cancer, that's at the top of her mind. I'm going to be that person. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be here for Christmas. And how common, uh, at some level, it's universal. I don't think anyone is diagnosed with cancer who doesn't worry that the cancer is going to come back. So why is it so common and is it more present in a particular age group? So it being the fear of recurrence, yes. um, it's an existential threat. Um, it varies. So, so what the, the fear is de- depends on a lot of things. Uh, from a medical point of view, you know, we have a fear of recurrence and, you know, of, in our patients and that very much depends on the pathology. So if a woman presents with pre-cancer, with DCIS, and she's had treatment, we know that the risk of recurrence is, is either extremely small or very small. If someone presents with a, a large aggressive cancer that's in a lot of lymph nodes, um, we know that the, the risk of recurrence even after optimal treatment is higher. And so our fear that, that, that there will be a recurrence is higher. Uh, I think, and I'll be interested to see what, what Jane says, but for, from the, the patient's point of view, the risk, it's that risk plays a role, but there are many other factors, uh, some of them personal psychological factors, personality factors, some of them experience with, with friends or family. Um, the, the woman who, who has, has seen a, a close friend or relative with a cancer that recurred is very heightened to that fear of recurrence and, and the, the impact of our reassurance that the risk is low is, is, is often not enough. Um, and it's understandable why. And they're things that, that we as, as treating teams uh, are able to identify. When's it most likely to occur, that fear of recurrence? Uh, there's a few times, I think. Um, one is at diagnosis. You know, this is big. This, this is people come in and, and I know they, they have written themselves off. 
And, you know, they, their big question is, am I still going to be here at Christmas? Um, and when I, when I look shocked at the idea and say, well, of course you will, you know, whatever happens, so oh, well, that's so much better than I had thought. So there is that fear at, at the start. I think as when the, the pathology comes back and we can make an assessment of exactly how you know, serious it is, whether this is a low and intermediate or high-risk cancer, um, that can lead to recurrent, uh, fear of recurrence. Um, the another time is at the end of treatment, after you know, the doctors and the nurses and all the, everything has been intensively done and the person's felt really cared for for you know, even up to a year, uh, when they're then told, well, you know, that's it, I'll see you in three months, um, that can lead to recurrence and that's where a fear of recurrence and that's where attention to, to the survivorship phase is really important. Do you think sometimes that fear of cancer returning might contribute to some women having more radical surgery than needed or recommended? Uh, I think there's, there's no doubt at all. Um, uh, I often have, so when I, in most cases, if a cancer is, is uh, diagnosed at an early stage, uh, breast conservation with, with removal of the lumpalumpectomy uh, followed by radiation is, is equivalent to mastectomy in survival. A lot of people say, if you need to take the breast off, just do it. You know, there, there's a, there is some feeling that bigger and more extensive treatment must be better, um, and it's not true. You know, we know in selected patients, and that is, is most, uh, breast conserving surgery plus radiation uh, is at least as good as mastectomy in curing the disease. Um, so it, there is there is an, another fear that is that is not so much. It's a bit a bit sophisticated. It's not really fear of the cancer that has been diagnosed returning, but it's a fear of a separate. separate unrelated cancer forming um, and in younger women and women who may have a mutation in one of the genes, uh, the breast cancer susceptibility genes, uh, that risk can be quite high and that is a, a reason that some women choose mastectomy. It's, not, it's never a, an urgent decision. Um, it's not, not something that needs to be decided at the first or even second consultation, um, but it is something that, that is, is important. It's tricky, though, isn't it? And a, and a very fine line. Yes, it is. And, and I think sometimes, and maybe even uh, in my last statement, I've unnecessarily complicated things. Uh, what we know is that breast conservation with wide excision and mastectomy is, is equivalent, where breast conservation and radiation is equivalent to mastectomy uh, as a treatment. So when should someone act on that nagging fear of recurrence and seek medical advice? Um, there are a number of symptoms that can be, uh, that can be suggestive of recurrence. If those symptoms exist, they should be investigated promptly. And what the symptoms are, uh, if cancer were to come back, the bones is a common spot. If someone develops a, a new and persistent uh, pain in their bones or joints that, that they can't explain, uh, that should be reported and investigated. If someone develops a cough, shortness of breath or chest pain, and again, unrelated, that persists, 
they should seek um, uh, attention. If they're losing weight or developing abdominal pain, uh, like unintentional loss of weight or, or abdominal pain, and then as far as if they find a, a lump in the breast or a lump on the chest wall or in the scar, uh, they're things that may be a sign of a recurrence. They may not be. The best thing to do is to get to their someone in their treating team and have it clarified. So are we talking a day of coughing, uh, a week of coughing, 10 uh, days I, of coughing? I generally say two weeks. Like two weeks of an unexplained symptom. Everyone is at risk of getting a cold and having a cough. Everyone gets a bit of back pain now and then, uh, except the lucky people who don't, but it goes away. Uh, So it's something that's new, out of the normal experience, unexplained, or if it's very severe. Obviously, if it's very severe, um, attention's needed, but but that's the thing. And I think it's important that it isn't after a day or people will be back to see their GP or treating team every week. Um, and, and that's that judgment of being alert but not alarmed, I think is a quote from someone. Which is a big statement given that they've gone through a very traumatic experience anyway, so their senses are quite heightened. Always, yes. Yeah. So what about someone who's had a mastectomy? Uh, is there still a chance of recurrence? And, and what should they look out for given that for a woman that's had a mastectomy or even someone that's had a reconstruction, there's no feeling there. So so this is important. What I said before about breast conservation and mastectomy equivalent long-term survival. Now, what that means is a mastectomy does not reduce the chance of the cancer coming back in the lungs, liver or bones. So those symptoms remain important. What it does do is it reduces the chance of a recurrence in the breast because the breast has gone. But even after mastectomy, recurrence on the chest wall or or within or in front of the reconstruction is possible. And so a lump, uh, a rash in the skin, uh, a lump in the armpit, um, it's often a nodule in the skin, uh, needs to be reported and, and checked. So with the fear of recurrence, I'm sure many would be thinking, well, why don't I just get extra testing? Or more scans. Yeah, uh, that might be more beneficial not only to pick up any changes but to also alleviate that fear. Yeah. A great question and uh, this, this is a conversation we often have. The way we approach cancer, what has been shown is that upfront you work out what the optimal treatment is, you deliver all the treatment. Now that may be chemo upfront, then tablets for five or ten years. That's the treatment. After that, investigations uh, should only be done with for symptoms. And the reason for that is, is that there is no evidence that early diagnosis of a recurrence that is not causing symptoms improves treatment. So if there is a recurrence, say there's a bit of cancer in the bone that the crystal ball would say is going to cause symptoms next year, There's no benefit in finding it now as opposed to next year and scans cause huge anxiety, nothing worse than waiting for the scan and scans have what are called false positives. Oh, we think there might be something. Have another scan and a biopsy. Don't worry, false alarm. The the impact of that on fear of recurrence is, is huge. The impact on the pocket and the wallet is often quite big too. So... Generally, we avoid it. 
There are a few times that a scan is appropriate, but but not often. So your body really is the one that sets the alarm bells by giving you the symptoms and that's when you need to act. Investigate symptoms, yes. The fear of recurrence doesn't always disappear with medical reassurance. Stopping those feelings of worry is sometimes a lot easier said than done. So, Jane, are those fears of recurrence the same for everyone? Do they manifest in the same way? I think... um, the uniqueness of the human being comes into play here and everyone is potentially going to experience their fear of recurrence in a in a different way but their signs may be the same so someone may um their fear of recurrence may be being awake at two in the morning and worrying about that but it may not actually have a big impact on them so i think we have to look at more um about the impact it actually has on the individual and whether it's actually proving to interrupt their ability to live a meaningful life. We know through our communication on BCNA's online network that two o'clock in the morning is actually a favourite time for the, for the mind to go crazy with mm. those sort of thoughts. Absolutely, absolutely. And I guess we're not sure whether the thoughts actually disturb someone's sleep or whether it's they wake up because they're having a hot flush and then start to think about things because we also have to remember that some of those hot flushes also get people to refocus on their disease and they may be some distance out from their their uh, experience of breast cancer but a hot flush actually re-triggers, re-traumatises them. And, uh, you know, I will keep coming back to the concept of the fear of recurrence is very, very much related to, the, to reliving trauma and uh, not post-traumatic stress disorder and I keep stressing that not everyone has post-traumatic stress disorder but they are having post-traumatic signs and that is the anxiety that's associated with the fear of their cancer coming back. So what is the gauge of normal fear of recurrence and when perhaps it's getting a little bit out of control? I guess if we think about symptoms of anxiety, it would be where it's very difficult for them to function. And, you know, I've had patients, and and Bruce and I have actually shared patients who have had uh, their fear of recurrence has been so high that their need for medical testing has been astronomical, where there's not a part of their body that hasn't been scanned, um, where their are finding, constantly finding lumps because if you poke under your armpit long enough, it is going to hurt and you're going to feel things that aren't there. So that expression of hypervigilance that is now a 10 out of 10 uh, and where it actually means that they might be having problems in their uh, social structures, so their family uh, dynamic changes where um, I've had patients where they've started to distance themselves from their young children because their fear of recurrence is so high that they don't want to trauma, don't get close to their kids because uh, if when I die, the children won't grieve as much or my husband won't grieve as much. Do you think this is a conscious withdrawal? I don't think so. I think it's often um, completely subconscious. So much of what happens for us is is subconscious um, and is expressed in a, in a conscious way. Uh, but the, the motivations are... are for fear are all about survival. This is our fight and flight response. This is an anxiety response because 
for most fears or anxieties, the, the thing that causes the anxiety disappears. In a cancer, when do people feel safe? When do we, when do people feel that they can go back to feeling completely in control again? And they don't. So you can't, you can never feel completely in control though. So I think people learn to manage their fear and for many people they do it really well and they feel that for most of the time they've got things under control. And as Bruce said, there are going to be certain times that are going to have um, particular relevance. And I think one of the important ones is medical follow-up that I think is really um, an important one to talk about. Uh, when people are coming in for their regular appointments. They also have to have a scan. And we know that this thing called scanxiety exists, the anxiety that actually is associated with having a scan. So managing seems to be the key word, managing your fear. Can you suggest some ways that people might be able to do that? I think one of the ways of managing fear is actually talking about the, the elephant in the room. So the thing that people are actually afraid of and what is the thing that is behind their fear of recurrence. It's that their cancer comes back, but underneath that is the fact that I could die. And this could mean that, you know, I, I will leave the people who are close to me. For many people, it's that I could die a painful death because their understanding of what the process of dying is based on a process that perhaps happened 20, 30, 40 years ago because that's what their, their, when their relative died, that's what they remember from a cancer diagnosis. Um, the other things that I think, you know, the death anxiety, we need to be very open to talk about um, and to get people to think about that, yes, it is an inevitability for all of us, but once you've had a cancer diagnosis, you've looked into the abyss. So it's become less of something that will happen in 20, 30, 40 years' time and perhaps something that could happen at an at a earlier point in their life. BCNA's online network is an active peer-to-peer -peer support community where people affected by breast cancer can find information and connect with others who understand what you're going through. Read posts, write your own, ask a question, start a discussion and support others. The online network is available for you at every stage of your breast cancer journey, as well as your family, partner and friends. For more information, visit bcna.org.au forward slash online network. It's very easy to say, oh, don't worry about it, you've just beaten cancer or you've just finished treatment. How seriously do you think we as a community accept someone's fear of recurrence? I think the platitudes are fundamentally unhelpful for people. So don't worry, everything's going to be okay is unhelpful because there's a little voice in your head that says, but how do you know that? You don't know that. One of the most important things that we need to recognise is how do we live with uncertainty? How do we live with the uncertainty? Um, now, we all have to do that. So when someone's diagnosed with cancer, that's, that's the hard part. Um, so the recognition of, uh, I don't know what's actually going to happen here. The best way to live with uncertainty is to embrace it, is to, is to face the uncertainty, to say, I don't actually know how it's going to turn out. It doesn't mean it's bad. It means I don't know. And so I come back to the process of living in the moment, the concept of mindfulness. And I know mindfulness is the buzzword of the moment, mm. but 
you know, it, it is a way of being in the world and meditation becomes part of that, but it is being in the now and recognising that what happens in the future is still a story because it hasn't actually been written yet and sitting with what people know to be their facts. So I talk very much from a, a cognitive point of view is that trying to manage our thoughts is going to be very helpful when we're managing a fear of recurrence. Like you said, the word mindfulness really is the buzzword at the moment. Is that downloading an app? Is it uh, seeking more information or is it going for a walk? What... A mindfulness of activity, a mindfulness activity is about a focus of attention and that doesn't matter what your focus of attention is. Um, I think it's important to recognise that it may be a buzzword but it actually has some quite weighty scientific evidence behind it. So we're talking about the parts of the brain that are activated are the amygdala, which is where fear is one of the processes where fear comes from. It activates the prefrontal cortex, so where we process, so filing, how we make sense of things. And the hippocampus, so learning a memory centre and promoting that concept of neuroplasticity, our ability to learn different ways of thinking about things. So it's very powerful if we do it. And I think most people um, recognise that mindfulness is important, but we get caught up in the busyness of our life and we get caught up in the worry of things that aren't really important. Like coming here today, you know, worrying about being late. Did it really matter if you're a few minutes late? No. So the mindfulness in everyday life is important. How helpful is a coffee with a friend? or actually sharing your experience with someone else who's been through something similar? I think that there's a time and place for everything and I think the the social networking, so our social interactions are very important. So people who are socially isolated are much more vulnerable for any sort of mental health issues. Uh, A coffee with a friend is important. I guess what's important is it's the right friend because you don't want a friend who then goes to tell you all about their experience with someone who's died from cancer. You want someone who's going to perhaps be supportive and listen um, and not necessarily need to give advice but to really listen. Uh, And that friend's going to be the one that you're going to want to catch up with. I often talk about additive and subtractive people and we want to be around additive people, not people who exhaust us and don't actually help or make that fear worse. So if someone is ready to take that next step. They've recognised that their fears are probably crossing over the the line of normality. Costs are always a a very big thought process, especially once you've had treatment and things like that. How, what's the best way to access care? So I I think there's two, there's two um, opportunities. So there's uh, the acute phase and that might be through uh, the uh, hospital that the person's been treated, the health service. Uh, The waiting times are likely to be long and they're very likely to be referred back into the community. So I think seeing a psychologist in the community or a mental health professional within the community is a good place to start. The GP is is the linchpin here, um, often with a bit of advice from the medical team, so Bruce and his colleagues, would be able to advise who who it might be have the necessarily skills to be able to deal with fear of occurrence as a psychologist in the community, uh, and access through um, a mental health care plan. So the government have a 10-session uh, referral uh, 
process. So people get a mental health care plan from their GP. It will enable them to have subsidised service. Um, most psychologists cannot afford to bulk bill under the current rebate that's available, and that's quite sad, but um, a state of play for most of us who work in private practice. It is important that... Uh, the, the woman sees someone who has experience in dealing with cancer and fear of recurrence. There's nothing worse than having to go in and explain to a therapist the situation from a medical perspective. I think that is, uh, doesn't necessarily build a lot of rapport. We're chatting with breast surgeon Bruce Mann and health psychologist Jane Fletcher about the fear of recurrence. So can I ask you both, are there certain times that triggers those fears? or brings them back to the surface? My observation, the end of treatment is one time when, when uh, the woman may feel abandoned by the treating team, never abandoned, but that can be a fear. I think if, if a symptom develops, one of the ones that I do occasionally see is after radiation, there's often some chest wall pain. Uh, that's quite common that, that may appear after a while. And frequently someone will come in and say, I'm sure it's come back because I've got pain here and after a quick assessment I can strongly reassure her. Um, I think events in the, either the immediate family or, or in, in the media of, of someone who has had cancer, whose cancer has come back, uh, is, is a huge challenge for everyone who's gone through it. So from a medical point of view, you'd say that it's very, very important that uh, a doctor, an oncologist, surgeon actually indicates to a person what is normal mm. as far as I, I think that, pain. that that should help relieve the, this challenge, the anxiety. Here are the things to expect. Here are the things that are worrying. But then accept that that our job is is to help. It's never wrong for someone to come in for reassurance. So if in doubt, get, get it checked out. But also we should inform women, like, these are the normal things. You know, don't worry. Don't worry about them so much. Uh, often we hear people say, I don't want to bother a very busy surgeon no. or a very busy no. oncologist. We, we, are, we are here to look after the, the individual patient and we can find time to do so. Okay, Jane, so when is it likely that a fear of recurrence will resurface? Okay. And I think it's important to separate out that there will be some times when there's a physical or medical um, reason for their fear. They've found a lump or they've got an ache or pain. And also that there may be then the psychological uh, fear, which is just the random thoughts that pop into someone's head. And often they are triggered by uh, an exposure to something, such as a full spread in Woman's Day about someone who's had breast cancer and their cancers come back. Who do you think should be the first point of call? I think it depends. So if someone has a symptom, uh, they need to go and see someone who can recognise that symptom. If they come to me with that symptom, I'm going to put a phone call into Bruce. I'm going to send them back to Bruce or to their oncologist or to their GP. Uh, if it is because they've got recurrent negative thoughts in the absence of physical symptoms, then they need to see a mental health professional. Bruce, can you understand some people's reservation after having that very specialised care? 
that they don't really want to go back to a GP through fear that perhaps their expertise isn't specialised enough. Yeah, uh, that, that is, it's, it's real, it happens. Um, we have put a lot of work into our survivorship programs with shared care, which is a lot of work um, educating GPs about what it is to look for, you know, what are the warning signs, um, and a lot of work is being done nationwide on that, recognising that uh, for most women, accessing their GP is much easier than accessing the specialist team who may be a long way away. But that also, it, it is important that the GP has has the experience and expertise, um, knows what to do, and that the that the patient has confidence in her GP that that's the case. So in an ideal world, you would have confidence in your GP, but like anything, if you're in doubt, second opinion? The the GP is a critical part of the team. Um, And it's not only with GPs, it's with specialists only. If in doubt, nothing wrong with a second opinion. You know, just because the specialist says, I don't think it's anything. I'm not, I've got to be careful here. (laughs) You know, if there is really a persistent thing and, and despite care being taken, an individual remains worried, then going back and asking again or asking someone else is, is sensible. And, look, hopefully that fear of recurrence will remain unfounded, but that's not always the case, is it? Unfortunately not. You know, it, you know we started this, that with this podcast that... that you know, cancer is feared, breast cancer is feared because unfortunately, despite everything that we know and can do, some people do die from disease and death from breast cancer. That follows, you know, there's always been a recurrence before that happens. So, so it, is, it is a very serious thing. Fortunately, far less common than it used to be, but unfortunately still does occur. Jane, what about for those who are supporting someone with breast cancer, what can they look out for when it comes to fear of recurrence? Because sometimes the person who it affects most might be quite unaware. I think they're looking for big changes in behaviour, so changes in their interactions. So someone who's normally quite happy who becomes withdrawn or someone who perhaps has... There's been an exposure to something um, as well, so they're aware of the... the, um, impact of that exposure. So, for example, having scans, they're aware that that it's very likely that the person's going to start to relive their experience when they have a scan. You know, there's a great quote um, about scansiety. People often don't realise that there's a difference between general anxiety and scansiety. For those of us with scansiety, it's not about what might happen, it's about what did happen. Telling a person with scansiety to just let it go be, and don't worry won't, it, uh, won't help. Um, the things you worry about will never happen can only be confusing to someone with scansiety and potentially damaging because things that cause our anxiety, the scansiety, already happened. For us, it's not about worrying, it's about remembering. And I think it's a lovely, lovely way of, you know, putting fear of recurrence in place because it is about remembering what happened to them and this terrible thing happened and they're fearful it's going to happen again and that's what drives their their anxiety. And platitudes don't help. It's all going to be okay doesn't actually help because the person who's had cancer says, but how do you know that? You don't know that. 
So bringing people back to the now, right now, you don't have a recurrence. And the fear is getting in the way of you being able to live a meaningful life. And that's probably one of the most important things that we can get people to come back to as friends, as, as health professionals, uh, as family. I think it's for all of us to be not necessarily reassuring people but bringing them back to experiencing joy in what we have now. Finally, is there any way that we can prepare to minimise that fear of recurrence, either psychologically or I, I think a large amount of the, you know, the doctor-patient, the you know, health professional-patient relationship is about is about managing the fear, and you know, it, I think it's personally, I think it's about um, validating the fear, not pretending recurrence couldn't occur, but being confident that that it's unlikely, and certainly being providing the reassurance that if anything were to happen there is a team there to, to look after her. I think, too, it's also recognising that it, the, the fear is normal. Um, the fear of recurrence is actually normal and a natural process. This is an abnormal experience. The, the fear of recurrence is a, is, a, is a reaction that we would perhaps expect people to have and to let people know that it's likely to happen and this is what it's likely to look like and when they need to um, be concerned uh, about symptoms they might have and when they might need to perhaps think that this is something that they might need to talk to someone about. Is it part of your recovery? I, always, I think perhaps it is because it's part of uh, a process of working out how they manage and navigate this, this new normal we might talk about. I also think we have to recognise that there probably is an adaptive um, element to the fear of recurrence because fear stops us doing strange and dangerous things and perhaps the fear of recurrence makes people more likely to be... Uh, health conscious, perhaps take their medication as directed and exercise or watch their diet, limit their alcohol consumption. So the, that fear can also drive very positive behaviours. Thanks to Bruce and Jane for joining us on Upfront, a proud production of Breast Cancer Network Australia. If you want to know more about the fear of recurrence, there's links to some great resources on our website, bcna.org.au. The information and suggestions in this podcast series is another way BCNA offers support. Please contact your health professional with any individual concerns or questions. The opinions of our guests are welcome, but not necessarily shared by BCNA. And we'd love to know your thoughts too, so leave a message on our feedback page. I'm Kelly Curtin. Thanks for being upfront with us. Thank you.